wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. And we're back, folks. You're on Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, December 5th, 2019. I am Graham Jason Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. We're trying something a bit differently here today, talking to David Joseph, being back on the show for the first time, I think, since January, right, David? Yeah, I believe so. It's been a little bit. It's been a little bit since the onset of 2019, but what better way to kind of bookmark or bookend, rather, 2019? We started the year, gave our thoughts, and I think what would happen at the beginning of 2019, I'd have to go back and listen to our show because I know we did that a couple years ago too where we kind of predicted what would happen. And it might have been the 2017 show, I think. You had said that you thought Batista might come back. Obviously took two years too late, but he ended up coming back this year. So that was one prediction that came true. I might have to go back and check that out. But uh, yeah, for the first time in a little bit, for the first time in a minute, you're back here on the show. Um, and we are recording this over Skype. I just found out. I've been, I use Skype all the time. I have no idea how I did not know this until now that you can record calls over Skype. And my quality might be a little different than usual. Um, but otherwise, I just kind of call you up on the phone and we go from there. And usually it's pretty solid. Um, but I think the way that we're communicating right now over Skype, your quality is even better than it usually is. So I think we might be going from this from now on. But uh, first and foremost, David, welcome back to the show. How you been doing and what you been up to? You know, I've been doing all right, you know, just, you know, being steady, staying busy, creating content and just soaking in all the entertainment in the wrestling world, because there's certainly no shortage of options these days. And I'm just loving it. And there's so much of it, too. Like you said, we have just coming off, you know, from last night, NXT on Wednesday, Dynamite on Wednesday night. We mm-hmm. still have SmackDown on Friday, and that's just WWE and AEW. That's not even counting for NWA power that's out there. Ring of Honor is doing their thing still to a certain extent. Impact's doing their thing. New Japan, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, we'll talk all about that momentarily, but I think the most important question is, we're five days into the month of December, David. How are you feeling? Are you feeling jolly? Are you looking forward to Christmas? What's your anticipation level right now in terms of Christmas excitement? Oh, I'm absolutely feeling jolly. I could honestly say that Christmas is my favorite holiday. There we go. A different vibe in the air. Once December hits, not even like right after Thanksgiving, you you driving at night, you see people's Christmas lights and decorations and you know, the anticipation just puts a a different type of spirit in the air. And I'm absolutely looking forward to the holidays. And I I love, love, (laughs) what'd you say? Oh, you love eggnog too? (laughs) Yeah. The funny thing is I can't hate on eggnog. I've never had eggnog before. I think I would have to try it before I can say that I don't like it. I'm not a big trier of new things, but I'll have to try it probably this holiday season. I'll get back to you on that. But yeah, I, w- one thing you said there that I really appreciate, and I have like a test with people when I ask them about the holiday season, because I'm the type of person, I'm very, very stingy on this type of thing, that I only listen to Christmas music, watch the movies and the whole shebang after at least 
Thanksgiving, after at least Thanksgiving, maybe early December. You had said that you kind of start to see the Christmas lights and stuff like that um, after Thanksgiving. Are you the type of person to get into the Christmas mode after Halloween in the beginning of November, or do you wait a little bit until after Thanksgiving? And if you say pre-Thanksgiving, don't worry, I won't judge you. It's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, I'm definitely the type to to wait till after Thanksgiving. It's like you know, you get distracted by Halloween and then straight into Thanksgiving. So I'm not really ahead of the schedule thinking about it. But once once it's after Thanksgiving, I, I'm all in on Christmas music, as you said, movies. It's just it's just a good, you know, vibe all around. I like it. You passed the test, David. I said I wouldn't judge, but I was ready to press that end call button if you had said you listen to the music before Thanksgiving. So I'm glad you passed the test. But two very important questions as we go forward here. First of all, your favorite Christmas movie. And second of all, if you had one wrestling wish for Christmas, whether it be WWE, AEW, someone coming back, someone winning a championship, whatever it might be. It could be broad. It could be specific um, that you have for your wrestling Christmas wish in 2019. So those two questions for you. Oh, those are great questions. Uh, well, in the hot right off the bat, my friend. <laughs> those are some great questions. Uh, my favorite Christmas movie, I would have to say Elf with Will Ferrell. Okay, good answer. Uh, good safe answer. Yeah, really, really entertaining movie. I really love Will Ferrell. He has such a nice body of work, and he definitely doesn't fail in that movie. As far as uh, a wish when it pertains to the wrestling world, I really, my wish is we get John Cena in some type of featured match at WrestleMania. Nice. He's been gone for too long. He's my favorite of all time. If you didn't know that fun fact, I'm hoping we see him this WrestleMania in a match. So what have been your thoughts on the lack of John Cena in 2019? I think the only times we've really seen him were when he came back for a minute at the beginning of the at the beginning of the year. He came back on Raw, came back on SmackDown, maybe wrestled all of one or two matches, and he was supposed to be the Rumble. He wasn't. I don't think he was ever supposed to be there, but they were advertising him for a little bit. Wasn't in the Rumble match. Didn't see him again until WrestleMania when he popped back up as the Doctor of Thugonomics, which was awesome. And then we got to see him at the uh, Raw, what was it, the Raw reunion show back in July. And I think that was the last time that he appeared on uh, WWE TV. So for the first time really ever in the 20 years almost that he's been with the company, uh, 17, 18 years he's been on the main roster now since 2002, that he really has not been a part of WWE in any form or fashion. Like we've had years in recent years where he'll come back for a couple months, do a couple matches, whether it be SummerSlam, WrestleMania, Survivor Series even, and then he'll go back off and do his acting or filming or whatever TV shows. This year, really, he has not had an actual run in WWE. Again, wrestling all of maybe one or two matches, and they weren't even... He, I don't think he had a single pay-per-view match all year. He wasn't at the Saudi shows. Wasn't, I mean, he was at WrestleMania. Didn't compete there for the first time in a few years. Um, but your thoughts, David, as a big John Cena fan yourself, your thoughts on the lack of John Cena in 2019? You know, I think when, you know, when you, you speak on shows like this and you create content, I think it's very important to, because we're all fans, it's important to, think like fans, but also look at the bigger picture. As a fan, it bothers me, man. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. It really bothers me because it's like here's a guy who he's just so synonymous and attached to the WWE brand, and it's almost like he disappeared, almost like out of sight, out of mind. And 
I'm not completely used to it because I do think WWE, you know, has the one of their deepest rosters as far as talent goes in forever. But I can't help but feel that that not having John Cena, it's you're sacrificing so much star power. Like we don't even get him on a Brock Lesnar basis. Brock shows up more than Cena now. <laughs> yeah, so, he does. so it's like I, I really wish as a fan that he would show up more. But in the bigger picture, not thinking like a fan, I understand. He paid his dues. He earned the right to explore other options and make a living in other ways. And I'm just hoping he'll be back for, for WrestleMania or sometime soon, at least on a part-time basis, because John Cena has a, a, a lot to offer still. And as soon as you stamp his name on the marquee, the show means a lot more. Do you think his absence has been felt on Raw and SmackDown this year without him? I think nobody wants to admit it, mm-hmm. but yes. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it does. It really does. I think I think we're in a strange position where this is the d- deepest and most talented roster, again, to reiterate, and there's no shortage of great matches and great talents. But there is a little bit of a shortage of charismatic true superstars and i think john cena is one of them automatically when he's involved and i think wwe does miss that Mm -hmm. i think like you said as far as things as people and specifically fans don't want to admit one thing i think people don't want to admit is the fact that they do indeed miss john cena they don't want to say it because it's not i mean it might actually be the cool thing to say now i'm not sure because with all the hate that rollins has been getting recently and even reigns a couple years ago i think cena's kind of out of the uh he's not really in that conversation anymore in terms of people that the fans feel that are being shoved down their throats or don't like or whatever, because we never see the guy. So how can you argue that he's being shoved down our throats if he's never on TV anymore and hasn't held a world championship in almost three years? And even that one title reign he had at the Rumble in 2017, the reign lasted all of two weeks. So, I mean, um, it's really hard to argue that he's still the main event player that he was years ago in terms of how prominently featured he was on programming that he buries this guy or buries that guy when we really haven't seen that at all in a long long time Um, but you mentioned Wrestlemania Wrestlemania 36 coming up in a few short months and I mean we just wrapped up Survivor Series season and it's usually around this time every year that we kind of get an idea a small idea of what we might be seeing at Wrestlemania I feel like we don't really have that right now not to say this is the first time that something like this has happened we didn't really have an idea of what Wrestlemania 35 would look like either outside of Rousey and Becky like if you told me a year ago that we'd be getting Brian and Kofi for the WWE Championship at Wrestlemania I would have called you crazy but I mean Kofi got really popular it was the best match to do ended up being the best match in the entire show so it's hard to tell sometimes this far in advance what WrestleMania might be looking like. Um, I feel like at this time a year ago, we weren't really sure what John Cena would be doing for WrestleMania. I think a lot of people thought it would be, myself included anyway, um, John Cena and Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship of Mania. I thought that would be a nice direction to go in. They never really got a rematch from their SummerSlam match at this point six years ago, I think 2013. Um, So, and obviously we never ended up getting that. And it seems like the further along we go, despite how many new people they bring up from NXT, the amount of people I want to see Cena face, and it's not a John Cena problem. It's more, it's kind of along the lines of they're not creating as many stars as they probably should be. And that's not a, 
on a knock on the talent at all. It's really the company now they book these people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like the amount of, I mean, dream matches is thrown around so often that there really aren't any dream matches left. Um, it, it really depends on what your definition of a dream match is. But um, as we speak right now, David, on the 5th of December 2019, what match uh, do you think could happen for John Cena at WrestleMania in, in a dream booking scenario? It could very well be the same match. Um, a match that you would like to see but you don't think is all that likely for Cena next year at the show of shows. Uh, there's a few. Uh, this is an unpopular opinion because I know there's a, a vocal minority that is just begging for him to retire. But, you know, it kind of bothers me. And I think it's a, a disservice to us fans that these two never, since they became Hall of future Hall of Famers, they've never had a proper one-on-one on a big stage. I, I still wouldn't rule out The Undertaker. I would like to see him in The Undertaker on a real big stage because... Let's be honest, that wasn't really a match when mm-hmm. they had their last encounter at WrestleMania. It was simply Cena putting him over to reestablish that aura to some degree. And in that respect, it kind of worked. You know, Undertaker, besides the Goldberg mess in Saudi, he, he looked okay after that. But to scratch out the Undertaker, if dream scenario, I would, speaking of dream, I would like Velveteen Dream versus John Cena, I think. Those two could have awesome promos, an even better match, and Velveteen Dream will walk away an even bigger star. That's actually a great answer, because like I said, there's not many people, in my opinion, even looking at the NXT roster, that I want to see face John Cena. Not because it wouldn't be a good match, but just because I don't really see the appeal of, for example, like I think a Matt Riddle-John Cena match in the ring would probably be a great match. I mean, John Cena and AJ Styles had some of my favorite matches of either of their careers a few years ago. They had an amazing string of matches in 2016, 2017. But that felt like a dream match because we never thought we would see it because AJ was in TNA and then we got it and it was amazing. But like a Riddle, Cena, like are many people talking about that as many as as many people are as, uh, you know, like Riddle and Brock or Riddle and Goldberg? I don't think so. Or even, um, you know, Adam Cole and John Cena, I guess. But that is one match you're absolutely right that I totally forgot about. Cena and Velveteen Dream. Because we all know that John Cena is well aware of who Velveteen Dream is. And and he has pointed him out as someone that would be a dream opponent for himself. I think, I don't know if it was earlier this year. I think it was last year. Someone mm-hmm. had asked him at one of those Comic-Con panel things. Like, who would you like to face from NXT between Dream, Cole, and Ricochet? And he outright said Velveteen Dream. Because, I mean, I'm sure he admires the in-ring ability of those other guys. And Velveteen Dream is a great wrestler in his own in his own right, but he's more of a character. And yes. I think that's what kind of draws Cena to, to Velveteen Dream. Um, so that absolutely is a match I would love to say. Speaking of Velveteen Dream, we haven't seen him in a few months. He lost the NXT North American Championship to Roderick Strong back in September on the premiere episode of NXT on the USA Network. Um, he got hurt, I think, in that match, and then we have not really seen him since then. They explained it away on TV, saying that he got attacked by the Undisputed Era. Many people thought he'd be back by war games. He wasn't, so he obviously is legit injured. Um, and there has been no timetable, as far as from what I've seen anyway, on his return. Uh, when do you think we might see Velveteen Dream return to TV in general? And when he comes back, is it time to pull the trigger on a main roster run? Or do you bring him back to NXT to kind of wrap up his thing there before probably getting called up in the not-so-distant future? I would, my my prediction would be 
by Royal Rumble-ish, we'll probably see Velveteen Dream again. And I do think the way they wrote him off television, he does somewhat have unfinished business with the Undisputed Era. Look, I, I think he's, like you mentioned, he's a character. And I think being a character allows you to have a lot more longevity no matter what brand you are on. So I do think he'll thrive on whatever brand, whether it's Raw, SmackDown, or NXT. But I would have him come back around Royal Rumble-ish, and hopefully he does. And hopefully he could get the NXT championship and hold it for a brief amount of time before he eventually comes up to the main roster. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream before. I know if you watch back the Roddy Dream match from NXT a few months ago, it was Adam Cole specifically who cost Velveteen Dream the championship. He was the one who interfered and helped yep. uh, Roderick Strong win. You know, so there is a story to be told there. And, you know, there's all this talk about Finn Balor coming back and Tommaso Ciampa. Now Keith Lee's getting a push, which is awesome. I mean, all these guys are great, but I don't think there's enough discussion about Velveteen Dream potentially being that person to take that championship from Adam Cole. Um, it, it probably will be Ciampa, and their next takeover isn't until February, and then they have the WrestleMania weekend one, which has already been confirmed. Um, do you think Velveteen Dream, you kind of mentioned it there, but do you think he's the right guy out of everyone right now in NXT to beat Adam Cole for that championship, the same title he's held since June at this point? Right here, right now. I would say Keith Lee should be the guy mm -hmm. because Velveteen's not here. But as you said, they, they have history and they almost got a built-in story. And uh, I believe Velveteen's star power, that win over Adam Cole would just get people talking more. But right here, right now, be only because he's hurt, I think you got you to gotta trust Keith Lee and roll with this momentum. So I pulled up our show while we've been talking here from earlier on this year. So we spoke on January 10th of 2019, so very at the beginning of the year. And one of the things I guess that we talked about on that show that I completely forgot about was when we can expect Velveteen Dream on the main roster. And that was at the beginning of the year. And he's still obviously not there, not because of it's a lack of talent or whatever, but obviously NXT needed him more, and they kind of need the star power now that they're on NXT, or rather USA Network. So uh, it's, it's funny that we bring it up again here. But I think that was... Uh, we, we discussed that because it was kind of uh, we, we branched off from what our original point was on that show that I wanted to discuss when we spoke earlier this year was coming off that great article that you wrote for Daily DDT about the lack of black champions in WWE at that point. And now that we come to the close of 2019, I would love to get your opinion on how that's changed. Has that changed at all since January of this year? The lack of black champions, obviously, in that time we had. You know, Kofi Kingston won the WWE Championship. Velveteen Dream was a champion in NXT, and Keith Lee is getting a major push right now. Um, how do you feel about that compared to how you felt about it at the start of 2019? You know, I, I do think, you know, slowly but surely over time, things have improved, and I, I do think it's a different time now. I think WWE as a whole is seeing that there, there is so many different superstars to, to represent and representation. You know what I mean? That representation is so important. And I think in 2019, more than ever, it's, it's super important in any form of entertainment. And I think they finally caught up to some degree to realize that, you know, I'm not accusing WWE of purposely holding back talent 
that were people of color in the past. I, I don't think it was maliciously done, but I do think in the past they just were comfortable overlooking people of color or black wrestlers. But I, I do think these are different times. Uh, Velveteen Dream was North American champion. Kofi really, I, I personally still think that was the feud and match of the year. If you include the buildup with mm -hmm. Daniel Bryan and then the culmination at WrestleMania and, you know, Bobby Lashley isn't living up to what I thought he would do, but he's being featured and we're just generally seeing wrestlers of all backgrounds featured more on television. And I think it's a great thing. And I, I think WWE is finally tapping into that more. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if we spoke at that point either. It might have been after Bobby Lashley won the Intercontinental Championship on Raw. It was either right before or right after, because I remember he won the championship like at the very start of the year, and we either talked about it or it was right before it happened. Either, even still, though, I mean, I completely agree on Bobby Lashley. I think they could be doing a lot more with him um, just in terms of, yeah, he had the title for about a month or two, but the guy is really, really good. And if yeah. anyone has ever seen his impact work, too, that was really where he shined. And and um, I think they could kind of tap into the character that he had then. And they have at certain points. I like the Leo Rush pairing. Um, they didn't do enough with that as I thought they could have. And now he's a part of this atrocious Rusev Lana thing. <laughs> um, that's not doing anyone any favors. But especially Bobby, at least Rusev is still getting good reactions. He's over in spite of the storyline. Lashley was just dragged into this nonsense for absolutely no reason. Like, the guy was gone from TV for what? Maybe two months, two or three months with an injury? And um, I'm thinking, okay, bring the guy back. Like, honestly, what they did with Cain Velasquez, as cool as that angle was on the first SmackDown on Fox, that could have been Bobby Lashley. Excellent. And they could have built, you know, to Bobby and Brock at, one, at some point. Maybe not Crown Jewel. I wouldn't have blown it off in two weeks. I thought that was a mistake, too. Um, and not to say they can't go back to it, but, hey, Brock's back on Raw now. I thought one of the biggest... Um, you know, issues with the draft, and this might sound silly to some people because some people may not care about Bobby Lashley, but I thought one of the biggest problems with the draft was not getting Brock and Bobby on the same show. Brock went to SmackDown, Bobby went to Raw. I'm like, what the hell? Like, there's only, I mean, obviously they could always get drafted in the future, but uh, then they, you know, put Bobby on Raw, which is good. I thought they would put him on SmackDown, but whatever. Brock ended up coming back to Raw. It could still happen. Um, but obviously at the current rate that they're going at with Bobby Lashley in this ridiculous storyline with Rusev, probably not. Um, but as we speak right now, do you think there's still a chance, David, that we get Brock and Bobby at some point down the road in WWE? I think, first of all, I thought that was an excellent point. Uh, if you swapped Bobby with Cain Velasquez, I think the fans would be much more into it. Mm -hmm. I think I think it's one of those matches we never got yet, but for whatever reason, the WWE doesn't seem to have it on their radar. And Bobby Lashley, any chance he gets, he's in interviews and social media. He he's begging for a chance yeah. to, to step in the ring with Brock. I think they sometimes when you get two real badasses in the ring, it's just it's just gonna produce a great show and pull in some extra eyes and. I, I'm going to hold out like maybe 10% hope, but it's really <laughs> not looking good. <laughs> I mean, it's WWE, so you always got to know that anything that we want, there's a good chance we're not going to get, so I completely agree. <laughs> but um, it's so weird, though. It's not like we're sitting here begging for, like, for example, like, 
a match that would be like an indie fan's dream of like, uh, I don't know, Daniel Bryan versus Matt Riddle or something in the main event of WrestleMania. Like I could see why that may not happen on a grand right. stage like WrestleMania. Brock and Bobby, though, is a match that you would think that they would want to do. Like two powerhouses go in there, just beat the crap out of each other. And it just makes a lot of sense. And there's honestly not a lot of fresh faces left to, to face Brock. He's beaten everybody for the most part, you know? And even someone they just brought in, like Akeem Velasquez, has already been vanquished by Brock Lesnar. Why would I want to see a rematch, which is also currently being rumored for WrestleMania? No thanks. Um, again, if they could build up Bobby enough between now and then, they have three or four months. It's, it's not looking good, like you said, but maybe even after that, you never know. Um, but I'm shocked. I'm really shocked they have, never, they have yet to do that match, especially since I'm sure that was one of the big reasons why Bobby Lashley came back. Uh, to WWE in the first place to, to have this match. Um, you said, you know, that, that Bobby's brought it up in interviews and on social media. I mean, he's been, you know, prolong he's been longing for this match for like five years now, since ever, ever since he was in TNA, um, given their similar backgrounds in the UFC, not UFC, but just mixed martial arts in general. You would think that it would have happened by now, but it's weird. Um, hopefully we do get it at some point. That's a match. I totally agree. I am still sold on. I don't care what anyone says. I think if they were given the chance to go in there just to beat the shit out of each other and they played off their uh, MMA history, I think it would be a good match. Um, that being said, though, you mentioned Keith Lee. We'll segue real quick into NXT. And you mentioned how he could be the guy to beat Adam Cole for that NXT championship. And it could very well happen in two weeks' time. It was announced last night on the show that next week we're getting a triple threat between Tommaso Ciampa, Finn Balor, and Keith Lee. And the winner will face Adam Cole for the NXT championship the following week on the show. Um, and I think there's a very good chance after the, you know, Keith Lee pinned the champion in that six man tag team main event last night, there's a very good chance he's going to be facing Adam Cole for that championship come December 18th on the USA network. Uh, would you, if they, if that is indeed the match, if you think that's going to happen as I do, do you think that's the time to pull the trigger on Keith Lee as the NXT champion? Or would you hold out a little longer and, um, kind of build to that moment of him finally becoming champion? I say, yes, it's time to pull the trigger for a couple of reasons. First of all, you got to strike while the iron's hot. Sometimes there's certain strides of momentum that you, you might think you could duplicate down the road by holding off, but you can't. A la Braun Strowman, so on fire back in 2017-ish, so on fire was you know ready to be universal champion, but they let it pass them by. I think I don't think Keith Lee is exactly in the same position as Strowman, but it's similar. I think you got to strike while the iron's hot. And also, you know, it was it was cool for a little bit. This is just my opinion. This is no knock on Adam Cole because he's awesome. It was cool for a little bit. The undisputed era had all the gold, but I think it's time to you know divide things up. They, I don't think they should have all the gold now. And mm -hmm. what better way to begin that that journey than to have Adam Cole lose his championship to arguably the hottest superstar in NXT. He's coming off a big weekend at Survivor Series, that great war games match, which is team one. Uh not winning the Soul Survivor not winning the Survivor Series match, but he was gonna be the sole survivor before he fell the Roman Reigns in what was a great clash. Had the great tag team title match last week with Undisputed Era. Uh the very good match this week, pinning Adam Cole 
Um, you know, you got to strike while the iron is high. I absolutely agree with a guy like a Keith Lee who, you know, prior to this point, I mean, the guy's always been awesome. When he first came in NXT, he was great. But it never really felt like they were getting behind him at the level that they should have been until now. Like, prior to TakeOver War Games, the guy had not had a single TakeOver match, which to me is unbelievable considering. Hello? Hello? Graham, you there? A guy like um, him who... Graham, you there? Who's... Hello? And not if. He would land on a takeover. He did. He won the main event, which was cool. Same thing with Dijakovic. And... Uh... Hello? taped or anything and it's not like a known ahead hello or um balor which would be fine too and they'd both be good matches but keith lee is the he's the guy he's the guy right now and the crowd's reacting to him as such so hopefully we do soon uh, soon see him with championship gold around his waist in nxt um but speaking about nxt from last night uh, we had the return of Kushida. I just mentioned him uh, came, coming back from an injury after about, I think, two months. He, he was injured in that match with Walter in early October, I want to say. And we have not seen him since. Uh, so your thoughts, David, on the return to uh, the return of Kushida to the black and gold brand? Um, I, I, I like the, ma- I, the match uh, with Cameron Grimes, is it, yeah, uh, last night? I thought it was a, a, a solid, you know, way to kind of, you know, groom him back into things slowly. It wasn't a long match. He he won with a roll-up. But I'm still putting my finger on what Kushida, where he fits into things in the grand scheme of things. I, I think eventually he would make a great opponent for Leo Rush for the Cruiserweight Championship. But I think at this point, he just got back. Let him... Let him get a few high-profile feuds under his belt. And then eventually you could probably groom him into the Cruiserweight champion maybe. But Leo Rush is thriving. So I think that would be an interesting clash. Kushida and Leo Rush is a match I didn't know I wanted until you just mentioned it. Like, that's a match I never really want to say. Um, for Kushida, a guy like him, again, there's a lot of talent right now in NXT. Do you think the Cruiserweight, I mean, I say division, but it's not really a division, it seems like. I mean, it is, but they have other people compete with the Cruiserweights now. Like in, like Angel Garza faced Tommaso Ciampa about like two months ago in NXT. So it's not really a division anymore. It's really just kind of open weight limits and allowing the Cruiserweights. It, it really shouldn't be a division anyway. They should allow the Cruiserweights to face the main, ro- not the main roster people, but like other people on the brand aside from just the other cruiserweights because it gets old quickly. We'll be seeing, you know, like Jack Gallagher versus Tony Nese every week forever, which is what we've had for the last three years with 205 Live. I think that's where they kind of got it wrong with that show was by putting these guys in a bubble, by putting them in a box separate of everyone else on the roster. Thankfully, they're not really doing that with NXT. But for a guy like a Kushida, is his ceiling the Cruiserweight Championship? Or do you think, I mean, again, we got to think realistically here with the main roster because it doesn't matter how good anyone is. It's really more a matter of how good Vince will make them out to be in the rest of the WWE writing team. Uh, is his ceiling the Cruiserweight Championship? Or could he go beyond that, you know, eventually if he were to make it to either Raw or SmackDown? Uh, so far, I got it. I could be wrong, but 
I think his ceiling is probably the Cruiserweight Championship and maybe if they down the road fighting the right partner, a tag team champion. I just think there's just so much other more talented people that are going to get the featured positions and that's no knock on Kushida because he's really talented. But yeah, I, I think his ceiling is a tag team champion and a Cruiserweight champion. Any chance we see Alex Shelley pop up in uh, NXT at some point? He and um, uh, Kushida had a great tag team in New Japan and Ring of Honor a few years ago called the Time Splitters. And I know he was in Ring of Honor a couple months ago. He went for the World Championship at their summer Supercard show that was in August. I don't think he's really done much with them since. Um, any chance we see uh, Alex Shelley join Kushida in NXT to kind of boost and bolster their tag team ranks? Wow, that's really cool that you bought that name up. I haven't heard that name dropped in, in quite some time. I, <laughs> I loved I loved his work in TNA with the Motor City Machine Guns. Totally and, agreed. Yeah, I, I think that would be an awesome fit if they rekindled that partnership. I, I, I honestly think NXT actually is sort of in need of tag teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need a little bit more depth in that division. So that is something that I would like to see down the line. You know what? Screw the time splitters. Just give me Motor City Machine Guns and NXT. That's what I want to see. Now that you <laughs> that mentioned would be that, really nice. <laughs> that's what I want to see. I mean, it should have happened years ago, obviously, but listen, better late than never. And that full sale crowd would not care one bit about the fact that they're, you know, older now. They're not, I don't know if they're in their 40s. They're definitely in the mid to late 30s at this point, but they're still good. And they were in Ring of Honor up until a year ago. So I would, I would, you know, love to see that in NXT. Um, but yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because. I was watching that tag team battle royal that they had at Survivor Series last, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, last month, mm-hmm. and it, it it dawned on me not how just weak the tag team division is in the entire company, but just especially NXT too. Like I was like, shit, this division sucks. Like I know we have like um, the undisputed era who were amazing. But then in that battle royal, they had what? Brizongo, who I like Brizongo, but listen, they're not tagged and title worthy. I don't think, at least not right now. Not with the comedy thing. It is what it is. Forgotten Sons, that's just asking yeah. people to change the channel. I'm not a fan of that. Uh, it's like whenever they come on NXT like they did last night, they're basically encouraging you to go check out Dynamite because there's no, there's nothing there. There's nothing there, um, at least in my opinion. But I, what other tag teams did they have? They had... Lorkin and Birch at one point. Um, Lork, I don't, that's not a tag team anymore. Lorkin requested his release reportedly, and we have not seen him since. So I don't think that's a tag team anymore. We have Imperium, but that's more NXT UK and not really NXT. Um, yeah, do, I'm not really sure. Do you think they could be adding more? They, I mean, they also had the Street Profits who were great and they got called up to the main roster. So, uh, should they be focusing on kind of that's not really, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things, not that it's a double standard. Um, but like with AEW, their women's division, not as strong as it could be. They're making efforts to make it better. They just signed Chris Statlander, who I've just kind of become familiar with. She's really good. She faced the Hakurashida last night. She won. Um, they kind of get shit for their women's division, but what about NXT's tag team division? I know the Undisputed Era have had some really good matches recently with like Ciampa and Lee and Dijakovic, but do you think they should kind of be getting similar attention for the lack of uh, teams in their tag team division? Yeah, because... NXT for a, a good portion of the last four or five years, they kind of been known for great tag team wrestling with the revival and back when they were there and the Street Profits and of course the Undisputed Era and even when the Viking Raiders were 
over there. The tag team wrestling was a staple for NXT. So to see it kind of, you know, fall off a cliff like this, it, it's a little bit disheartening because I think uh, uh, a lot of people that view the main roster in NXT, they they rely on NXT to get that real kick-ass tag team action. So I, I do think they they need to start developing some some real teams down there. Yeah, they definitely do. I mean, they have some good teams. And the funny thing is, is that you're absolutely right. NXT has been known for its great tag team, the wrestling, for a long time now. And it's only gradually gotten better. Like, I remember when they had the Villains versus Buddy Murphy and um, Wesley Blake years ago at TakeOver in Brooklyn. And we were thinking, like, wow, this is, like, the best tag team title match they've ever had because they didn't really have great tag teams at that point because we were so used to, um, you know, the freaking Ascension having all these uh, squashes and shit. But they've gradually gotten better with the Revival and DIY and AOP was in there for a while. And the funny thing is, is that as weak, not, I mean, it is weak. Well, you know, you know just face the facts or they kind of have a weak tag team division in NXT in the whole. For as weak as their tag team division is right now, they've had some amazing tag team deva- tag matches in 2019 between, it was, um, what, War Raiders versus Black and Ricochet at the New York TakeOver. Great match. Oh, awesome. Um, you know, to Street Profits and uh, Undisputed Era had some great matches at TakeOver and on NXT TV, main eventing a couple times, great matches. Uh, we just had Undisputed Era and Lee and Dijakovic last week. So they've had some great tag team matches, but their division on the whole doesn't really seem to be that strong. So hopefully they can kind of work on that in the future. Um, but other highlights from last night's show, we also had Killian Dane knocking off Pete Dunne in kind of shocking fashion, the same way that he beat, or Pete Dunne beat, Damian Priest in the triple threat match to take over. So a nice play on that finish there. Um, do you see this really leading anywhere for Killing Dane? The guy's a really good hand. He's picked up some big wins. He beat, he beat Pete Dunn here, which is a big win. He beat Matt Riddle many months ago on NXT clean. Um, so he has had some pretty big wins since coming back to NXT. Um, do you see this really going anywhere for him aside from just losing to the next big guy that he faces? Uh you know, I tweeted out the, the yesterday. It's funny you say that. Uh, he's a guy, usually I, I, I look at a, a wrestler and I, I could tell where I stand with where where they're at and how I feel when they come out the curtain. But he's a guy I still can't quite put my finger on where his ceiling is and where he fits. But, you know, he, he is a good hand, as you mentioned, Uh has okay matches, especially for a big man, but I, I don't see anything long term. I, I just think this is another one of those those monster heel pushes that mm-hmm. won't have a lot of longevity. <laughs> yeah, I agree. They have some really good talent, so it's kind of hard to see Killian Dane rising among everyone else to become NXT champion. I think that you know it's one of those things where I feel like Pete Dunne just might avenge this loss in a week or two on the show. Uh, but speaking of the show, in two weeks' time, we're having Shayna Baszler. In addition to the NXT Championship match, Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship at long last. Um, they had a match a couple months ago and ended in like a double DQ or DQ finish, whatever. So we're finally getting the match for the championship two weeks' time on the probably final live episode of the year. I doubt they would do a live show on Christmas itself. So in your opinion, David, who do you see going over in that match? Is it Rhea Ripley retaining the title? or does Rhea, or, I'm sorry, does uh, Shayna Baszler retain the title? Or does Rhea Ripley finally become champion on that night? That's a tough one, and that's going to be a really good one. I really hope they get a, a good amount of time. It's so hard to root against Shayna Baszler. I think she's 
well booked. Uh, she's consistent. She's just really, really believable. Every move, every submission hold. She's just had a phenomenal reign. But Rhea Ripley has been built up really well from mm-hmm. lasting in war games to coming as a Survivor Series and leading her team to victory there as well. It's really tough because I, I think it, 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 they're in a rare situation where you can't go wrong with either right now. Exactly. But I'm going to say Shayna Baszler retains and Rhea Ripley gets her win uh, on her takeover, a bigger stage. Plus, you can't have two title changes in the same night. If we got Keith Lee going over as the new champion, you can't have uh, the women's championship changing hands. Too. I mean, I guess you could, but I mean, I think it would kind of take away from the big moment of Keith Lee becoming champion if Rhea Ripley becomes champion on that same show. And they have a takeover right around the corner. It's only in uh, mid to late February. It's it's like less than two months away. So it's really not that big of a deal to wait on the rematch uh, for a takeover. But before then, we have next week. So they've already advertised Dakota Kai versus Mia Yim. And then we have for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship, Leo Rush taking on Angel Garza in a rematch from their match for the championship about uh, about a month ago. So for those two matches, David, who do you see going over in each outing? Kai and Yim, and then the Cruiserweight Championship clash. Uh, I think Dakota Kai for sure. Uh, the heel turn was executed phenomenally, mm-hmm. but I'm still I'm still on the fence about her as a heel long term. I just don't like that we're in this era that sometimes the default answer is turn this person heel. And it's nice. Don't get me wrong. I think it was executed phenomenally. But I just look at her and everything about her just screams good guy to me and and baby face. But I definitely think she goes over. uh, And as far as the Cruiserweight title match, Leah Rush for sure. I think he's doing a good job of you know, reestablishing that division under the NXT banner. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. I think uh, he's had a great run as champion so far. I think Angel Garza is great too. I think there's a very good chance that he could also walk out as a new champion, but there was more matches to be had with uh, Leo Rush's champion, I would argue. So I would like to see him retain on that night. Uh, so we'll kind of switch gears here. No pun intended with full gear last month to dynamite from last night as well. Um, I thought of the two shows, right off the bat, I thought Dynamite was the stronger show last night. I'm not sure if that was reflected in the ratings. Um, we'll find that out after we stop recording here, after the show is already published, unfortunately. Um, but still, I thought Dynamite was a good show overall last night. Quite a bit happening. Uh, the stuff with Jericho and Jungle Boy, they also, on the December 18th episode of Dynamite, a lot advertised for that show. It's going to be Jericho, or for that night in wrestling, uh, Jericho, Jungle Boy, AEW World Championship. Uh, your thoughts, David, on the segment they had last night on the show and your anticipation level for their championship match in a couple weeks on Dynamite. <laughs> Yo, Jericho's awesome. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just can't say anything else. Jericho's just doing great work. I, it's like I, I want it. You know, I'm the I'm technically a WWE loyalist, but I, I like what AEW is doing. I, I think the more the merrier and and I, I like the fact that they're on TNT uh, 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 a national cable network that is very known but Jericho's doing some really great bad guy work right now and you know when that segment first came together and you know everybody was coming out to 
interrupt Jericho. I thought Luchasaurus deserved that match, and I thought he was going to get it because he did get the loudest reaction. Mm-hmm. But perhaps they're waiting for a later date. But nonetheless, I'm excited about Jungle Boy versus Jericho because it plays well into the story of Jericho kind of handpicked a guy he thinks he could beat. And I think it's just going to be a very interesting underdog versus veteran battle. It's going to be very interesting. Jericho's been the MVP of AEW in 2019. I, I wouldn't argue with you if you had said that he's the MVP of the year in general yeah. for wrestling. I mean, he's been yeah. very important to AEW. I'm not sure if they would be as successful as they've been so far without Jericho, especially as world champion. I will argue with anyone all day who had said that uh, Adam Page would have been the right choice to win the championship. I completely disagree. I think that's very much proof of the fact that Jericho's had this amazing run as champion. Very good matches. It's it's not like the guy has had great promos, but he can't really back it up in the ring anymore because he's nearing, I think he is 50 now, actually. Uh, either 50 or 51 or 49, around that, you know, around that area. But he's mm-hmm. had great matches, too. The Cody match at Full Gear was great. The, uh, what was it? Um, what's his name? For the no disqualification match. Yeah, I, I know who I'm... Do you know who I'm talking about? The, the, the smaller guy? What's his name? The guy with the blonde hair. Darby Allen. Darby yeah, Allen. Who's, uh, yeah. you know, uh, very good match on Dynamite about a month ago. And uh, he has this match with Jungle Boy coming up. Scorpio Sky faced last week. Uh, good match as well. So, uh, yeah, Jericho's been great. I thought that was the highlight of the night. I thought they had a great segment. And I totally agree. I really do think it should have been Luchasaurus. But it also kind of gives me hope that they're building to that at some point down the road. Luchasaurus just came back from an injury. So, I mean, they're probably not going to put the championship on him this soon anyway. But they could have Jungle Boy, you know, look good in defeat, lose to Jericho, and then have uh, kind of plant the seeds for Jericho and Luchasaurus. As ridiculous as that would have sounded three years ago, Chris Jericho in the main event of a pay-per-view versus, like, a dinosaur man, it (laughs) works because the guy's over is all hell. So the whole Jurassic Express thing is incredibly over. And they have yet to win a single match. That's the most amazing thing. Like, these guys have been perennial losers so far in terms of how many matches they've won, which is none, yet they're so over with the fans. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. We also had Cody speaking last night on MJF. Um, The guy's a great talker. Would you say, David, that he is the biggest babyface right now in AEW, Cody Rhodes? Absolutely. I'm glad you brought him up. Man, like, I know this is said a lot in the pro wrestling world in general or by fans of of getting goosebumps during certain moments. But the last, you know, three to four times Cody has delivered a promo, literally I get goosebumps. I'm getting them now. He mm-hmm. he has tapped into that ability to talk and and not make it sound manufactured, not make it sound like acting. It's always from his heart. He, he makes you feel, and it's just really cool to see because obviously he's an executive in this company, and, you know, he's came into his own so much, and I, I, I just look back at that young Cody back in WWE, and to see him now, he's just a grown-ass man, and although he's related to Dusty, I love the fact that he's his own man. He doesn't try to be like his father yeah, mm-hmm. to make references to his father because you pretty much have to. He's one of the biggest legends in the game. But Cody has his own swag. He has his own identity. He's he's slowly but surely, you know, became 
one of the better talkers, I think, in the whole industry. Mm-hmm. And I just really like what he's doing as well. If, if there was a, a close runner up for MVP, I agree with you. Jericho's an MVP. It might be Cody. He's doing some good work right now. I wrote about this in an article a couple weeks ago, but it's unreal to me that WWE had Cody Rhodes for almost a decade on their main roster, believe it or not. And they never really went all the way with Cody as a full-fledged babyface. Like, he is a great heel because he had some great work doing the dashing stuff years ago uh, when he was doing the undashing stuff with the mask on. As dumb as that thing looked, he made it work. Um, even the mustache, you know, a long time ago, he made that nonsense work. The Damien Sandow stuff, Stardust, even as dumb as that was, he made it work too. The guy's a great heel. He's a great character, but he's also really likable as a babyface. And yeah, I guess people could argue that, you know, he was part of the, he is really the, the sole reason why AEW is a thing. It all started with him and all in about a year and a half ago, two years ago. So I could see why people would be like, oh, like he's the one who started this whole thing for us. That's why we love him. It goes well beyond that, though, because the promos he's cutting are on another level. And there really is. I mean, there's a lot of good talkers right now in wrestling in every promotion, but no talkers that give you the goosebumps that you mentioned earlier. Like there's very few people like that. And Cody Rhodes is on an entirely different level right now. And it's crazy. And he's not even the world champion. Um, but yeah, I'm loving his work. The MJF match, one that does happen will be awesome. I just hope they don't blow it off anytime soon. Um, they have yet to announce when their next pay-per-view is, but I would assume it might be in February. So hopefully they can show some resistance and not give it away on an upcoming episode of Dynamite just to pop a rating. Um, that will be big when it eventually happens. Um, but I got to mention this though, for all the good right now in AEW definitely has its faults. I love the Jericho stuff. Love the Cody stuff. I'm not a big fan, personally, of all the dark characters they seem to have. Um, the Dark Order, I could not have given two shits about you know, when they first started. And I didn't as of even a month ago. But I will say to their credit, they're slowly winning me over with these promos they're airing on the shows. I think those are a good start. Uh, whatever they're supposed to entail, I think they're good. Um, the bunny, the butcher, and the blade thing is just... That just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not really sure what they're going for with that. And then I like Awesome Kong a lot. I'm not a big Brandy Rhodes fan at all. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what they're going with for this uh, nightmare collective nonsense. And then head like it was Serena Deeb as part of the Serrated Society ten years ago. Like I don't know. It just kind of feels like a rehashed angle. So um, any thoughts, David, on all the dark characters they seem to have right now in AEW between the Butcher, the Bunny, the Blade, and then the Dark Order, and then this Awesome Kong Brandy Rhodes thing they're doing right now? Yeah, I did find that odd. You know, it, it seemed like I, I, it seemed like almost the same character, but just with tweaks. But I, I will admit that uh, the Dark Order vignette, I thought it was okay. It, it was attention grabbing. Uh, I thought it was solid. But I'm right there with you about Brandy Rhodes. I, you know, no disrespect to her because I'm sure she puts in so much work behind the scenes more than any of us could see but i don't buy her as a a wrestler or a performer i I think maybe she should take a little bit of a step back because in my opinion awesome kong wouldn't really need her Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things awesome kong's phenomenal and i i just think it's a little silly to kind of have gimmicks that are a little too similar on the same exact show but you know, 
I, I, I really think that Awesome Kong should be more of a loner and Brandy should just do her own thing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I don't think Awesome Kong needs Brandy Rhodes. I mean, she was doing her own thing. I mean, I mean, this was very short-lived, but the WWE stint that she had is karma, when she would come out and just wreck everybody. That worked, because she just came yeah. up, beat the shit out of people, and then left. She doesn't really need a mouthpiece. I could see why people might say that or why they might think that, but she, I mean, that, she doesn't even really need to talk anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I get that. And she's great. I mean, I mean, she's not what she once was, obviously. Her body's kind of beaten down, unfortunately. But still, she is really good. She doesn't really need Brandy. So it's kind of an odd pairing. Um, but I did want to mention this. We had John Moxley, Joey Janela last night in a rematch from Fighter Fest. This time a standard singles match and no gimmicks attached, which I liked. I think they do a little too much of the hardcore stuff. I'm glad they toned it back this week. Uh, no hardcore matches, I think, on the entire show, as far as I can remember. Um, but this was a good match. Moxley won, of course, as he should have. Janela looking good in defeat. Um, Jericho coming out afterward to the inner circle on the on the ramp to kind of mock Moxley's entrance, setting the stage for a future feud between the two over the championship. Good stuff. I was this just popped in my head. So we have Jungle Boy in in uh, Jericho for the championship in a couple weeks. Moxley, it would be weird to not have him involved in the match in any former fashion just because he has the bad blood for Jericho right now. Um, so it, I mean, what I'm thinking is not to say you should put the championship on jungle boy, but could you do a similar situation to what they did 20 years ago? And I'm not always a big fan of rehashing old angles, but I think it would work in this case. Cause I don't think it's been done since, um, at least many, many times. And it's not a bad angle where they did Jericho and triple H on raw almost two decades ago at this point. And they had Jericho win the championship from triple H on the raw after Earl Hebner cost him the championship intentionally um instead of the referee screwing over jericho you could have john moxley screwing over jericho and jungle boy winning to a massive reaction only to have the decision reversed either later on in the night or the next week or whatever um how do you see that whole thing playing out with jericho and moxley where is it heading how does it really affect the jungle boy title shot in a couple weeks on dynamite against chris jericho well first and foremost john moxley has been booked very strong and I'm not mad at that. You know, he was one of their bigger signings, so it's understandable. Uh, I, I believe he's an undefeated still, right? John Moxley has not been beaten yet, no. Yeah, he's undefeated. He's been booked pretty strong and consistent. So I can't help but feel that right here, right now, I mean, obviously plans always change, but perhaps they're building him up to beat Jericho because they they want that. I don't think they're exactly trying to rely on former WWE guys, but I think for their first couple of champions, their thought process might be, let's put it on a few guys that have been seen on television before. So perhaps John Moxley, I feel like probably he's going to be the one to beat Jericho. But I got to say, Graham, I don't mean to sound so sour to John (laughs) Moxley, because when he was in WWE, he... Most of the time, I, I he was my favorite Shield member. Mm-hmm. But I, I think after 2016, his work and his performances really declined. And I think he's doing okay work in AEW, but I can't help but feel like he's not that different from Dean Ambrose. I still see Dean Ambrose, you know, the... The little jokes here and there. The, yeah, oh, the kids the, thing that he said backstage, yeah. Yeah, he's not really funny, but 
But <laughs> I just think, yeah, like he's supposed to be a lunatic, and yeah. I just think, I just think he comes off a little, you Cartoonish, know, corny, maybe? corny. Yeah. Like I just, <laughs> I, I see too much Dean Ambrose in him, and he was. He wanted out of his contract so bad with WWE. You know, he wanted all this creative freedom and, and whatnot. It's, but now you have it, and you're essentially the same guy. I, I'm just waiting for him to show me more. No, I agree. I think part of that, too, is because they haven't really let him talk much. I feel like the handcuffs on Ambrose and WWE were really the promo stuff because in the ring, I mean, the guy's never—he's he, never been amazing. Let's not let's not mistake him for being like a Bret Hart here by any means. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it does go both ways in terms of his WWE work. I completely agree. His work fell off after the championship run ended. He didn't really have many memorable matches after that. And it's—I could see you know him being handcuffed creatively because he's not really been giving the freedom to be a, you know the character that he wants to be or be able to speak the way that he wants to. But in the ring, though, you could still put in a very good performance. You know what I mean? Like I know they're you're only as good as they want you to be, but at the same time, I mean, like he was definitely phoning it in. That was pretty obvious for a while there. Like I can't think of one above-average Dean Ambrose match from after he lost the WWE Championship and after the AJ feud wrapped up, because that TLC match was great. Yep. But after that, though, um, he didn't really have, like, he faced The Miz a number of times. I don't even really know what else he did. He, he reunited with The Shield a bunch. The matches with Rollins were terrible. <laughs> like, at yeah. the end there, were not good at all. Like, I'm shocked, too, because they had some really good matches five years ago. But, again, maybe that's just lack of effort or motivation, whatever. So it goes both ways. But I agree with you where I can see why people would think that he's not the same. Or he is the same guy that he was in WWE's Dean Ambrose. But I feel like part of that is because they haven't really allowed him to talk as much um, on the show. And he has cut a couple promos in the ring and in, you know, pre-tape stuff and whatever, which is fine. But they give guys like Cody a lot of mic time and Jericho too. And, and for good reason. I mean, they're awesome. I mean, their promos are easily the best thing on the entire show. But do you think that might change, though, that he could kind of break away from the Dean Ambrose shadow um, if they were to allow him to be, you know, not be, but talk more on these shows in the ring as opposed to just wrestling or popping up and brawling or whatever? Yeah, I, I do think he could use a little bit more promo time, but also just just more mannerisms, more different mannerisms and and, and more different things that he didn't do in WWE, like yep. the occasional corny joke or the uh, the mannerisms of kind of flailing his arms and and, and twitching, kind of like that. I just think he needs to realize that you're in a new company and you gotta like add new layers to your game. I I, I don't want to think about Dean Ambrose, but. I catch myself thinking Dean Ambrose because he seems mostly identical. Just now he gets to swear and, you know, fight in bloody matches more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Completely agree. He's, they definitely got to do a better job of distinguishing, not just them, but Moxley himself has got to do a better job of kind of separating himself from what and who he was in WWE. Um, and like you said, I mean, some of the stuff he says just isn't, funny it's just very hit or miss with some of the stuff that he says in promos yeah. and with comedy you know he's just a weird dude john moxley's yeah. a really weird <laughs> dude you know i had a i had the chance to meet him earlier this year at, at some indie show and he's a very 
reserved person, but I've met reserved people before. It's not that he's shy. It's it's not that he's an asshole either. He's just a weird freaking dude. You know, I, it's it's hard to describe. Moxley's a very weird person to sum up in just one or two words. You know, yeah. Even even listening to his interviews, he seems great. He he seems mm-hmm. honest and and straightforward. But there's always like a weird awkwardness <laughs> to his interviews. Yeah. I don't I don't know what it is. But yeah. while while we're on the topic of AEW, I really want to ask you this. What what are we now like two months ish into AEW being on about CNT? nine ten weeks yeah yeah do you think a little bit the honeymoon phase is slowly drifting away from them it, the that new car smell of them being being the new company that can do no wrong do you think that's wearing off a little bit. Hundred percent. I think that's a great question because I was thinking of stuff to ask you here for today's show when we were planning this out throughout the throughout the week. I'm thinking like, wow, what's a good thing to bring up? And I'm thinking, okay, what about the Wednesday night wars? Because there was so much excitement around it two months ago, and there still is. Not to say that people are pooping on these shows, right? And not right. that NXT is infinitely better by any means. I think it usually is the better show. I thought Dynamite was the better show this week, but that is a great question, David. Is the honeymoon phase over for Dynamite? I think it might be, and I'm not a big ratings person. I know ratings are obviously important. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're not, you know, they're irrelevant in 2019. They are, you know, they're a bit outdated with the Nielsen rating thing and that whole, you know, how they're gathered and stuff like that. But I mean, the numbers are, the the numbers are there. I mean, they, they pulled in a great rating for that first show. People were losing their minds. 1.4 million people as they should be. I mean, it's a great number for, for a company that wasn't really established at all. I mean, again, it's 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 weird to compare because again, it was a Thanksgiving week. It was a holiday week last week. We don't have the numbers for this week as we speak right now. They did what five six hundred thousand people last week. That's that's not good. That's a really bad number. And they are still doing shit that I'm like, okay, we're two months in here. We're actually about twelve, almost a year in because they started the company technically in January. I won't go that far because they didn't have any shows until May. But it's like. I don't know. There's some things that are still a bit off to me, um, like the audio issues. I know I'm not the only one who's picked. I mean, every it's very noticeable. It was very noticeable at the beginning of this week's show. Get your fucking shit in order. I mean, this show's been on the air now for two months. How is that still a problem? How Absolutely. are you guys still having audio <laughs> issues, you know? With Dark, too. With AEW Dark, I think last week. The show's pre-taped. It's not even live. And they were having issues with... I think it was they were the commentators were like, oh, look at the replay. They were talking about the replay, but we weren't seeing it on the screen. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I've never seen that actually happen before. Like, for as much shit as like Impact gets and Ring of Honor, I have never seen that done before (laughs) where they're talking about the replay, but it's not showing for the viewer. That's just, that's just some, that's ridiculous. Like, especially for a tape show that you know was recorded six days in advance. You watch the show over. It's like the NWA thing with the whole Jim Cornette nonsense. Well, you know this was about to air. You have people watch it over. How do you miss something like that? You know, it's just embarrassing. Um, not to say that AEW is, you know, shit in the bed by any means, but there's just stuff they got to be working on. But I do think the honeymoon phase is coming to an end. Uh, not just because NXT is infinitely better or anything like that, but people got to start calling them out on their shit. It's not a matter of, oh, it's fine if NXT did it, but, or it's fine if AEW did it, but if WWE did that shit, then it's, you know, get the pitchforks out, you know? But uh, 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't think it's completely over just yet. It is quickly, or no, rather slowly but surely kind of fading away. That that sense that, oh, they could do no wrong. And, you know, you see more complaints by the week. And they are kind of doing some stuff. There's a lot of, you know, for for as many good characters as they have in AEW, there are a lot of people that I just like. The Dark Order's been around since day fucking one, since Double or Nothing. And I still could not give two shits about these people. <laughs> like, I know you can't build up everyone at once, but, like, come on. Like, really? Or, like, having, you know, again, this is nitpicking, but, like, having the Lucha Bros lose to the best friends. I love the best friends. They're a great team, but the Lucha Bros are, like, the best team in the world. How the fuck are they losing to Trent Beretta and, and, and Chuck Taylor? Like, that doesn't really make much sense to me. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on that, David, about AEW and their honeymoon phase being over? To kind of answer your own question. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, I, I'm, I, I feel like it's, it hasn't completely been over, but you, you could almost like, it's almost tangible. You could feel and, and kind of see that the hype is dying, and you know the the new car smells wearing off, and we're starting to see them for their good, their good work, but we're also starting to see the reality of their errors. And yeah, I, when I flip the channel. Uh, I flipped the channel to them. I, I noticed those audio issues right off the bat. Like, no matter how high I put up the volume, it, it was still very low. And I, I think if you're going to continue to call out WWE and, and continue to tell everybody who will listen that you're on WWE's level, that's unacceptable. Like, you just can't do have those errors. And for all the complaints that fans might have about WWE... The production team is A++ with everything. They're, they're the unsung heroes of everything WWE does. So I, I do think the honeymoon phase is nearing an end. And they're, they're going to be in for a reality check because it, it's nice. And like I said, I support them. But now they're going to see what it's like to be overanalyzed and over-criticized like WWE is year-round. Now they're going to feel it. Welcome to WWE's world. Exactly. Exactly. I could not agree more. They can't be giving out $100 bills every single week to little kids <laughs> in the front row to win themselves over. I thought that was a little strange. I could see yeah. what they were going for, but like, would you ever see Adam Cole giving away like a hundred bucks in the front of, you know what I'm saying? Like I know Bo Dallas years ago gave away fucking grandma's cookies um, and NXT when he was the champion, but that's just because he was an asshole at the time. And Cody Rhodes is supposed to be a baby face. It was just weird. But um, anyway, so that's our AEW talk. Before we wind down here, two quick things um, I did want to bring up. It was announced on Tuesday's episode of WWE Backstage that John Morrison is officially on his way back to WWE, um, re-signing for a multi-year contract, I believe. Not specifically two or three years, we're not sure, but multiple years. Um, this was rumored a couple of months ago. I want to say like in September, right before the draft. People thought he'd be drafted or pop up at this pay-per-view or that pay-per-view. But uh, I guess they, I don't know what the issue was, whether he was relocating or they had no plans for him. I don't know. But it's finally been announced on his way back in. Uh, I heard people saying that he might be on TV next week. I'm not sure how um, how realistic that is. I don't think he is. I don't think he's showing up on Raw or SmackDown next week on the fucking go-home show for a TLC pay-per-view that we have no matches announced for. That would just be random. Honestly, I would hold off until the, until the new year. Uh, to bring him back now would seem kind of strange. Um, but that being said, though, 
I know he's going to be on the WWE uh, the, the Bump Show on YouTube next week, so maybe we'll get more insight on what brought him back to the company. Bit of a surprising move. I always thought as soon as he left eight years ago that he would always be back. He left on good terms. He said he wanted to come back to the company years ago, multiple times. I just thought with AEW becoming a thing now that that might be a good landing spot for him so he can continue acting and doing the movie stuff and whatever, but uh, I guess not. So I guess we'll find out what's, uh, what's in store for him when he resurfaces soon. But uh, your thoughts, David, on John... John Morrison coming back to WWE. What would you do with John Morrison in WWE? I love it. I really do. I love it. I think he's one of those guys in in the mid two thousands around the ruthless aggression era. He had a good run. He like multiple time IC champion, multiple time tag team champion, and an ECW champion when they were actually somewhat taking the title seriously. I, I think he can be a world champion and even back then i know he's a little bit older now but i just get a Shawn michaels ish vibe to him you know the the long hair the abs the chiseled features the good looks the the ability to perform his ass off in the ring and i do see a world title run in his future but initially I would love I would love it if they bring him back as a heel to feud with Miz because they have history mm-hmm. and before he left the last time he was in WWE Miz was the heel and Miz was thriving and you know beating him now the roles are reversed Morrison will be the heel and Miz is the face even though I don't love Miz as a baby face but I think it could make for a good first feud to get him back into the thick of things. Yeah, I agree. I think it makes the most sense. I mean, uh, they have history, like you said, former tag team champions together, former rivals. Uh, Morrison's last match, many people may not remember, was a Falls Count Anywhere match on Raw. Not the one they had on the first episode of 2011 for the WWE Championship, which was also really good. They had another one. The night that Morrison left was his last match, faced Miz, Falls Count Anywhere, lost. And that was it. He was uh, written off, written out of storylines after that. So Miz was the person who sent John Morrison out of, out of WWE in storyline. Um, I'm not sure if they would play off of that. I'm not I'm sure. Um, but I'm not sure if the Miz has even commented on the news. I don't think he has. I know Zack Ryder did, Dolph Ziggler. They're all very good friends with uh, John Morrison, as is Miz. But maybe they're going to use that as a reason for some dissension between the two. And it's not like Miz is doing shit now anyway. So it would be a great feud for Miz. It would be... As beneficial for Morrison, uh, as beneficial for Miz as it is for Morrison, because he's not doing anything right now anyway. So whether they're partners again and the tag team division on SmackDown could use them, uh, who are the current champions? New Day? Hey, New Day versus the Dirt Sheet duo would be very entertaining if they went that route too. Oh, yeah. But as as rivals, it also makes sense with the roles reversed. I love it. Um, I think SmackDown is a good landing spot for him. NXT would be cool. They don't really need him, need him. Um, and Raw is just, they have a lot of people on that show already that are already, they're kind of focusing on between Buddy Murphy and Andrade and McIntyre. They don't need Morrison on that show. I think SmackDown is a good fit for him. And he always, it, it seemed he always performed better on that show. I mean, a guy like Morrison too, it's not like, you know, we have fond memories of him from his work in WWE from over 10 years ago. But it's not like he's one of those dudes they're brushing off and bringing back randomly. Like, as much as I love them, 
a Mr. Kennedy would serve no purpose in WWE in 2019. <laughs> like, it's cool to see him on NWA Power. The guy's put on some weight in recent years. Like, if he was going to come back, it would have been years ago. Uh, that ship sailed a long time ago. Morrison still has value. And not to say he was, you know, uh, you know, tearing the house down in terms of, like, not merchandise, but in terms of uh, drawing ability and stuff like that and impact. But he had a pretty good run over there. He was Impact World Champion for a while. And um, he was also in Lucha for a long time, too, and had uh, multiple championship reigns over there. Had great matches with Ricochet and Rey Mysterio. He was doing the best work, I would say, of his entire career in Lucha Underground, a, a, a run that people do not talk enough about when it comes to John Morrison. So hopefully we can kind of tap into that in WWE at some point. Um, but before we ride off into the sunset here, real quick, speaking of backstage, being back on the show next week is CM Punk. Um, he was on the show a few weeks ago, kind of scorching earth to WWE in terms of their current storylines. And he was also very honest about a lot of stuff that he was talking about in terms of the current product and what he likes, what he doesn't like. I thought it was a great appearance. I hope this Tuesday show is equally entertaining. Um, but your thoughts, David, on CM Punk being back in the thick of things in not really WWE, but just wrestling in general. And what do you expect out of his second appearance on backstage this coming week? I, uh, the timing of it, I, I think was random, but in a good way. I, I think it, it was like, it seemingly overnight, oh, CM Punk's in negotiations with Fox, and then, boom, he, he's an analyst on Fox, and he's technically not working for the WWE, but he kind of, you know, he's linked to WWE, of course. I, I think what's going on right now is... You know, I don't think his mindset is, oh, I'm hoping for a match or I'm hoping for a WrestleMania match. But I think he's looking at it like, yo, I'm getting paid to critique the, the business that has been a part of my life for so long. You know, I, I, I had a break and now I'm back and, and, and it's almost like a totally new business. And obviously the money's probably good. So I think in that respect, he... That was his entrance, his safe entrance into, you know, being back in the wrestling world. But I think Rollins is trying to plant the seed through Twitter and the his comments. I think he's trying to force management's hand to try to ask CM Punk for one more run. But right here, right now, I take Punk's word that he's not really thinking about wrestling and he hasn't really had a conversation with WWE about it. But I do think the longer he is an analyst, he'll eventually get that itch. Probably next WrestleMania, if I had mm -hmm. to get the more the more wrestling he watches, the more you're like, yeah. You, you, the more it kind of makes you think like, hey, maybe I can do this. Maybe it makes you exactly. think that you know. Um, he's he's gonna have to watch wrestling. You said a year or so ago that he doesn't watch any wrestling at all anymore, but he he has to now. It's part of his job, so. Yep. Um, he might get that itch again. Maybe he didn't get that itch before because he wasn't he wasn't watching wrestling anymore. So maybe that changes now that he's watching WWE seemingly on the regular. Very interested to see what he's going to have to say this coming Tuesday on the show. Um, but let's say he wakes up Christmas morning and is like, hey, you know what? I want to get back in the ring for WrestleMania. Fuck it. Let's do it. Do you think CM Punk is a, or rather Seth Rollins is the first opponent you would put him up against? I mean, from a storyline standpoint, that's all they've been talking about on the show and on Raw with Rollins yeah. specifically. I mean, the guy's been making a real fuss about the match happening. Is that the match that you do? And 
it's not a bad match either. It's not like it's Jinder Mahal saying that he wants, you know, CM Punk in the ring. It's Seth freaking Rollins. Like, for as much hate as the guy gets, he's still great, you know? And they kind of had a lackluster match about, you know, right before Punk left, actually. And I know they could do much better than that. And I think Punk even said, hey, that match sucked. I remember him mentioning it a long time ago that he thought that match was terrible. Um, but anyway, so is that the match that you would do? Or you were like, eh, there's another match I would rather see Seth Rollins, or rather uh, CM Punk in, in his first match back at WrestleMania? Seth's great, and I, I and I have faith that if they stepped into the ring, it, it'd be pretty good. But I don't know. Me personally, because they've t- talked about it so much, that's not the match I really want to see if, if CM Punk is going to choose to come back. I would really like to see him. I would prefer Roman Reigns, honestly. Okay, all right. I would much rather Roman Reigns. I think... If I'm not mistaken, Roman Reigns might actually be the last one to have beaten CM Punk when he was still with the company. He had a couple matches on his way out there. He actually faced every Shield member. He beat Rollins. He beat Ambrose a bunch of times. Beat the entire Shield in one match, which was weird, um, at TLC many years ago. But then he lost to Roman Reigns, I want to say, in one of those Raw reunion shows, old school Raw. Uh, He beat him clean, maybe. Either way, Roman Reigns beat Punk. And then Punk left two weeks later. I mean, he lost in the Rumble. But in terms of getting pinned, that might have been the last time that CM Punk was pinned in WWE. Um, but yeah, I think that's a match that could work. Roman uh, is another guy who has really faced almost everybody on top, uh, yeah. if not multiple times, from Brock to even Cena, um, if they were to bring him back. But uh, definitely, you know, Rollins multiple times, Bray Wyatt. I mean, not The Fiend, but okay, we've seen Roman and Bray Wyatt before. Mask or no mask, we've seen that before. Um, even Sheamus is on his way back. We've seen that match many times before. So, uh, yeah, it, it would be something fresh. It would be something interesting. Um, but yeah, with CM Punk, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, all intriguing possibilities. I thought there was one more thing I wanted to bring up in terms of the Punk situation. I can't think of it right now, but, um, yeah. Oh no, this was it. So I was thinking when, you know, this whole talk got started, the Punk being back on backstage, if there's any one match you would want to see him in. And I got, I, I got myself thinking here. I mean, not to say this is realistic, not to say that it's even the best idea, but do you think this could... Would you want to see this match, David, if Punk came back, won the Royal Rumble, which he never did. He never got to do that. He, he came close a few times and never actually got to win the Royal Rumble and chose to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, the same man he faced at SummerSlam many years ago, lost to, never got a rematch with. They face off for the championship and Punk is the one, and they headline the show, they main event, he finally gets his WrestleMania main event, he beats Punk, or he beats Lesnar, becomes WWE champion, one final time, and not to say he retires after that, not to say he's on every show, but, you know, he comes back, gets one last reign, Uh, he came close, he came as close as anyone has ever come close to beating Brock Lesnar in WWE, and he's still lost. Um, is that something you want to see? And I could see why people would hate that idea <laughs> just because, I mean, you know, Punk talked all about the part-timers years ago, and he would technically be this guy that has not been around all year just winning the Rumble and then getting the title shot at WrestleMania. I mean, it makes, like, I could see why from that standpoint it makes very little sense. But from a storyline standpoint, is that a match you would want to see, or is it like, nah, I'd, I'd not, it doesn't really appeal to me personally? No, I would love to see that. I think that's a, another great option. Brock gets a lot of crap, but he's a draw. And mm-hmm. any marquee he's on, he's most likely going to be the main event. And then you have the Paul Heyman factor between the two of them. I, I don't want to th- say they would be fighting over Paul Heyman, but 
there's a lot you could do with that. You know, Paul Heyman's real life, you know, has a real life relationship with Punk and Lesnar. I think the Paul Heyman factor could make it that much better this time around. And also what you mentioned, CM Punk's never got that show closing true WrestleMania main event moment. And, and I think it, it would be the perfect, you know, recipe to give him that moment. And, you know, people will complain about him being a part-timer, but at the end of the day, part-timers, they're smart, you know? They they negotiate the contract that they want for limited dates, and it helps with longevity, and it helps save their body. Mm-hmm. And also, if this match does happen, let's say Punk and Lesnar... I mean, it's not going to happen, but let's say if it, if it actually happens, you mentioned Paul Heyman there. Would they be fighting over Paul Heyman? Is this? Are you suggesting, David, a Paul Heyman on a pole match between Punk and Lesnar at WrestleMania? Is no, that what you're saying all. to me right now? <laughs> not at all. But you know, Paul. You know, you got to utilize him, have him talk his shit. You know, CM Punk, one of the other better shit talkers. So mm-hmm. I just think it would be awesome in that respect. It, and then winning the Royal Rumble, that that would just knock everybody's socks off as, mm-hmm. as a surprise. <laughs> we have yet to really see like a surprise Royal yeah. Rumble. Like when Triple H won it a couple years ago, he was gone for a month when Roman Reigns attacked, and he came back in predictable. Triple H, but it's like, dude, like I, it made sense from a storyline standpoint. I get that, but if they were expecting like, oh, this big shock victory, like everybody saw that coming, <laughs> or like when <laughs> Batista came back a couple of years ago and they announced that ahead of time. Honestly, that probably would have been better received had they not announced ahead of time that he was coming back. If he just came back and won the Rumble, that would have been like the punk thing that I'm suggesting. People would have been like, holy shit, like yeah. this is cool. Probably would have faded once they realized that he was facing Randy Orton of all people at WrestleMania for the upteenth time. But still, I think people would have been excited initially. Um, but yeah, you know, I've always said like, it would be cool to get, you know, um, an NXT guy winning the rumble, like a Keith Lee, not to say it's going to happen, but like someone from NXT, like, holy shit, like this, what, what brand are they associated with? What does this mean for the, for the main championship? What happens? You know, like, it feels like it's very predictable cookie cutter. Like Nakamura winning was a very pleasant surprise. I'm not shitting on the rumble matches in recent years. Rollins winning was cool this year, but they were all, you know, they were kind of logical. I want someone completely out of left field, someone like a Punk or, and you know, a Keith Lee or someone like that to really put someone over and really shock people in a good way, not swerve people for the wrong reasons, like bringing back God knows who and, and, and putting them in there and having them in, like a Del Rio or some shit like that. Oh like, my God, God. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Please, no. <laughs> no, thanks. No Moss, no Moss for Del Rio and WWE. But uh, the funny thing, too, is you mentioned, you know, Heyman and Punk and Lesnar. Um, the promos would be great. And the funny thing is that the promos they had during the original feud six years ago were great. And that was when Punk didn't even give a shit. That was when he was on his way out and he was like, fuck this. Like, exactly. you know, I don't even care. And the promos were good then. So yeah. imagine how much better they would be if he actually did give a shit and he did care and he was motivated. I think that's I'm just printing money right now. I think that's just, that's just really a, a recipe for success right there. And but on that Brock note, Brock and Heyman could uh, not to cut you off. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. But Brock and Heyman could obviously rub in his face like Brock was a UFC champion. You thought you could walk into UFC and you got your ass beat. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that's just it's just easy money right there. Like yeah, dude, suck. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. that you could that, absolutely play that card. Fired right there. <laughs> I was gonna. 
that's not even low hanging fruit. That's just that's just clever because that's not. I haven't seen anyone say that. That is very smart. I mean, I haven't seen many people suggest Punk and Lesnar at all, aside for myself. But I didn't even think about that. And you could say, listen, I was from wrestling too, and I went over to the UFC. I was a big box office draw. I won all these championships. What did you do? Absolutely nothing. You got your fucking face kicked in and here you came crawling back to wrestling because you have nothing else because you're bored writing comic books like there's so (laughs) much there that you could work with and you know punk wouldn't care if it was coming from uh if it was coming from lesnar lesnar's another guy in character and probably in in reality he doesn't give a shit but he's made events that god knows how many wrestlemanias by this point at least two or three um you know wrestlemania 19 wrestlemania 31 and wrestlemania 34 at least so, I mean, Punk is at zero. So there's so much to work with there. I completely agree. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting myself excited for a match that's not going to happen. But, you know, maybe we can play it out in 2K20 or something like that. Or maybe 19, because 2K20, I heard, is terrible. So maybe 2K21, if he's the cover superstar for the next video game, as I hope that he is. Um, but on that note, we'll wrap it up here. David, this has been awesome. We've been talking now for over an hour, almost an hour and a half. The conversation's flown by almost an hour and 20 minutes, according to the timer here. Uh, but before we ride off into the sunset, where can people find you on the Twitter machine or anything else you're working on at the moment that people can check out? You can find me on Twitter at DavidJoseph95. That's where I post all my content from Daily DDT. I'll, I'll write some articles. You can find some of my articles there, but you could also find my YouTube channel at Wrestling With Things. Awesome. Awesome stuff. You do great work, David. Thanks for coming on the show. Always an awesome time. And um, yeah, that's about it. Hopefully we can have you back here on the show in the future. It seems like we have a bit of a tradition with having you on either in January or December, the beginning of the year, the end of the year. Got to go back and listen to our other episodes and see what else we predicted correctly and incorrectly and all that other stuff. Because it's kind of, it's fascinating to listen back on that stuff. And I know we had predictions at the beginning of the year. And um I'm not sure what they were. I probably posted them somewhere, but I got to go back and listen to them because we may have been half and I'm not giving you the credit that you deserve for being this like Nostradamus of professional wrestling. You're probably <laughs> getting a lot of stuff right, so we will soon see. But uh, thanks again, David. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Graham. Enjoy your Christmas season. Have fun watching Elf, and I'll catch your ass down the road. <laughs> <laughs>